Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome in Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. It is NFL Draft Thursday, and this is going to be a big show for you guys. It's always a big show, but we are going to be joined by a guy who is making his way up the draft boards. He appears to be the first quarterback for sure to come off the draft boards, at least if you look at all the odds makers online who give you the opportunity to bet on gambling-related NFL draft issues. His name, he tells us, probably, I don't know, Mitch or Mitchell Trubisky, and there are late rumors today as we begin the show that he could go as early as number one to the Cleveland Browns. Now, I still think that's unlikely. I think probably the most likely move here is that he goes by number five. Somebody trades up potentially with the Tennessee Titans and slides into that number five spot. It could be the Cleveland Browns if they take Miles Garrett number one overall that they could then trade back up with that other pick they have and get him at number five right before the Jets pick at number six. But we will talk to him in about 10 minutes, maybe even less. So that should be pretty cool. Uh, Early morning for him as he gets ready for what could be the biggest day of his life. We'll talk to the top quarterback on the boards of most people as we move up on this evening when the first round of the NFL draft will be live from Philadelphia. Last night, finally, not that many basketball games. As we come down the stretch on the NBA, the Wizards take a 3-2 to lead over the Hawks, and the Celtics take a 3-2 to lead over the Bulls. 
Why does that matter? Game five, the winner in the NBA wins 88% of all series. So when you go up 3-2, that's typically the decision maker of the series. Uh, The NHL playoffs also begin. I think it's clear that the Nashville Predators, among other teams, have now won five in a row. They may never lose again. They went on the road and beat the Blues and the Oilers took down the Ducks. There were four games, two in the NHL and two in the NBA last night. Major news. Major news in the world of sports. I think I've been telling you now for a couple of years, the biggest story in all of sports is the popping of the sports rights bubble. I think it's going to destroy ESPN's business, and it's eventually going to filter potentially all the way into how much players are paid, we're going to go after this story in a deep way. I'm going to tell you why it matters, what the significance is. If you didn't know, ESPN reportedly laying off around 100 people yesterday, and it's just a rounding error now for ESPN. I believe that by 2021, ESPN, which from 1979 to 2013 was the biggest, best, baddest business on the block, will be losing money. It's really a major sporting issue. And I'm going to give you a quick rundown. And again, after Mitch Trubisky, I'll open up the phones and answer your questions. People say, oh, why do you care so much about ESPN? Well, first of all, because I care about business. And secondly, because I care about sports business. I'm in the sports media. So I believe that the story of ESPN, this company that was founded in 1979 as a scrappy cable underdog, and from 1979 to 2011, went from zero houses to 100 million cable and satellite households. Now, the business model of ESPN is kind of fascinating because they make money two different ways. They make money off advertising, but that's only around 25% of their overall revenue. 75% of their money they make off of subscription fees. And a lot of people don't realize that effectively ESPN has a monthly subscriber cost because they don't see it broken out on their cable bill. But wildly, ESPN is five times as expensive as any other channel that is a part of your cable and satellite package. So if you have a cable or satellite package right now, and ESPN is a part of it, which is the vast majority of you listening right now, that means that you're paying over $7 a month for ESPN. Now, if you're listening to this show, that's probably not a bad move because you are a sports fan. But if you are not a sports fan, as the vast majority of people who have cable and satellite are, they will not watch ESPN, that means crazily that they are paying over $80 a year for a channel that they never watch. And so it's fascinating because Netflix, for instance, which a lot of you have as well, you understand that you pay around $10 a month for. Well, you're paying around $7 a month for ESPN, and many of you out there in the cable and satellite industry are not actually watching. So why is ESPN's business tanking? Why are they going to go and collapse? Well, I'll tell you, there's three basic broad precepts here. And again, we're leading in with Mitch Trubisky. He's going to be our first guest of the show. So you know, roadmap for the show. Mitch Trubisky, hour one. Our guy, John Morosi, hour two. He joins us every single Thursday in hour two to talk whatever's going on in the world of baseball. And then in hour three, live from Philadelphia, Joel Klatt, who is calling this uh, the draft with Jay Glazer and I believe Chris Spielman on uh, Fox Sports Radio tonight. 
he will be with us to break down what the vibe is in Philly as the hours for the NFL draft tick closer and closer. There are three major reasons why ESPN is collapsing. Number one, ESPN subscribers in 2011, at the absolute peak of ESPN's powers, there were 100 million subscribers to ESPN. By this year, they're going to be down to 87 million, potentially 86 or 85 million subscribers. That's a loss of, at a minimum, 13 million cable and satellite subscribers. Basic math on that is 13 million times $7 a month times 12 months in a year. That means that every year ESPN is losing around $1.3 billion, that's billion with a B, off of their revenue that's never going to return. And at the rate that they are losing subscribers, and that is a crazy number, I want you to think about this, 10,000 people a day are cutting the cord and abandoning ESPN. 10,000 a day. That's an extraordinary number. ESPN's business model is in serious jeopardy. Number two, you know how much ESPN pays for the sports rights that you watch on ESPN? The NBA, Major League Baseball, the NFL, SEC, ACC, Big Ten, $8 billion a year. That's led to a stat that is one of my favorite to give out there in all of sports. Mike Conley, Memphis Grizzlies point guard Mike Conley. Think about this stat for a minute. There have been four guys in the NBA who have made $30 million a year adjusted for inflation in the history of the league. Number one, Michael Jordan, pretty good ball player. Number two, Kobe Bryant. Number three, LeBron James. Number four, Mike Conley. Why is Mike Conley making so much money? Because ESPN drastically overpaid for the NBA television's rights package, which is why they're having to fire all these people now. So three reasons why ESPN's business is collapsing. One, they've lost 13 million subscribers in the last several years. Two, they have $8 billion in rights fees that they owe every year into the foreseeable future to all these sports leagues. These are contracts that they can't, can't get out of. And three, they've made the decision to go and turn into a left-wing sports talk organization. All of those issues have conspired to tank ESPN. This story is the biggest in sports, and I've been telling you for a couple of years now how big it is. And people are just now starting to recognize. You should have seen my mentions today and yesterday. Everybody coming around saying, my God, Clay Travis, you were right. All right, we're going to unpack this more at the bottom of the hour. But first, major interview coming up. Up next, it's Mitch Trubisky. Don't call me Mitchell Trubisky. Whichever way you want to go it, he's going to be the first quarterback taken off the draft board. He's going to join us here live as we get ready for the NFL Draft. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Joined now by a guy who's going to have a special day indeed. The first round of the NFL Draft will be occurring this evening, and we are fortunate to be joined by former North Carolina quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, Mitchell, so I want to start with this question for you. If I had told you this time last year, 
when you were sitting around, I bet, watching the NFL draft somewhere in your couch, somewhere in a, in a place in uh, Chapel Hill, that you would be a first-round draft pick by this time the next year. Would you have believed me? No, honestly, I probably wouldn't have. Um, it's been a crazy process, and uh, this is what I dreamed of, and this is really what I worked of. But um, last year at this time, I, I, I didn't think any of this was possible. But but my hard work and dedication has, has really showed me that uh, any, anything is possible. So you just continue to believe in your dreams, and, and uh, it can all change around in one year. So um, whatever your goals are, just shoot for them and, and go even higher. So. Uh, that's what got me to this point, and, and I'm, I'm very excited for this opportunity. So what do you know at this point? Has your agent said, look, you're definitely going to be gone by 10, you're definitely going to be gone by 5? Do you have any sense for who is going to draft you right now? I got I got no idea. I'm hoping I'm hoping in the top 10, that's what I've been hearing uh, throughout this whole process. Could be higher, could be lower. I mean, that's all out of my control at this point. I'm um, just looking to get with the right team and organization that believes in me and will allow me to develop and progress as a quarterback. But it's been an exciting process, and uh, I know i got a lot of work to do once I get uh, picked, but um, it's it's going to be a dream come true. I'm so excited. Do you uh, have any consideration at all? Do you care if you are the fourth, first quarterback taken? Deshaun Watson said he wants to be the first quarterback taken. Do you want to be the first quarterback taken as well? Uh, it, it doesn't really matter to me because uh, that's outside my control. Uh, it doesn't matter where you get picked. It matters what you do when you get picked, and uh, that's been my mindset. So no matter where I go, it's going to be a dream come true, and the real work begins when you get with your NFL team. So I just want to get in, learn the playbook as quick as possible, and, and show that I belong in this league. So that's what I'm trying to do. But uh, wherever I get picked, whether it's the first quarterback or the, the third or, or so on, it, it, that's outside of my control, so I'm not too worried about it. What's the weirdest question you got asked as part of the interview? You don't have to tell me which team asked it, but is there anything you got asked as part of an interview process or a team visit that kind of blew your mind that threw you for a loop? Uh, it was just kind of an odd question. They asked me how good, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, am I doing the nay-nay? <laughs> and, uh, what was your answer? Yeah, it's like a, it's a, I, I was honest. I, I put a 2, so uh, 2 out of 10, so that's horrible. So you will not catch me doing the nay-nay anybody, anywhere. Um <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it was just it was just a fun question. I guess they wanted to see if we had any rhythm or if we even wanted to do the name name. But yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> I believe you had thirty touchdowns, four interceptions. You sat for a couple of years. You've only started thirteen games. At what point did you start to think, "Hey, maybe I'm going to go pro at the end of this year"? Was there a game you had on the field for North Carolina this past fall where people started to talk you up and you started to realize, hey, maybe I could go pro at the end of this year. When did you start to think it was possible? Um, well, before the season, I actually had the goal to to be in, to put myself in a position where I could decide to come back to school or, or to leave. So I wanted to put up, I know it would only be one year, and I mean, it is one year, but I wanted to put up numbers and show everyone around the country and, and the NFL coaches and scouts that uh, I, I can project well to play at the next level. And I think just in a year's work, that's what I did. And I think uh, that was the mindset going into the season, and I think around uh, the middle of the season, probably after the uh, sixth or seventh game, uh, the started putting early mock drafts up and people were projecting me high. If I came out and uh, it just so happened that it, it, was, it, was, uh, it, it was in the plan and, and that's how it worked out. So I decided it was the best time for me to come out, take advantage of this opportunity and uh, continue to progress as a quarterback. So, uh, yeah, about the middle of the season.
We're talking to Mitchell Trubisky later today. He's going to become a multimillionaire when he gets drafted and as a part of the NFL's first round. Mitchell, have you considered at all what it's going to be like to suddenly be rich? I don't know how much money you have now, but I bet you're about to have a lot more than you've ever seen before. What's that feeling going to be like when they call your name and you suddenly realize, holy crap, I'm a multimillionaire? Yeah, and for me it's not really about uh, wow, I just get drafted. I'm a multimillionaire. It's more like, wow, I just got drafted. Um, I, re- I reached my childhood dream of, of getting into the NFL. So uh, it's it's all about my love for the game and an opportunity to, to continue to do what I love. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've never had money. I come from a very uh, conservative family, and, and I'm not flashy or anything, so it's going to be weird to, to have money. I really haven't wrapped my head around it, but – um, my, my job is to play football. It's, it's not to worry about money or how much of it I have. It's, it's about to, to get on the field and, and produce wins. And that's what I want to do. So uh, as long as I'm comfortable and, and the people I love are comfortable, uh, I'll, I'll be happy. I'm curious here, uh, Mitch. And, and by the way, when did you decide to go by Mitchell instead of Mitch? How did that happen? <laughs> you could actually call me either. It was uh, it started at the combine, the whole uh, fiasco whirlwind of people thinking I changed my name. Uh, my mother calls me Mitchell, and the uh, people close to me call me Mitchell, but I go by either one. So, uh, yeah, I was just saying what my mom prefers because uh, she wanted me to say that for her. But, uh, yeah, I've been called Mitch or Mitchell my whole life. It really doesn't matter. What's One of the things that I said, I've got money now. I didn't have a lot of money growing up. And one of the first things that I still like do, even though I've got the money to be able to order anything in a restaurant, is I still look at the price of dishes in the, in the restaurant menu, right? I think that's kind of the difference between when you start to have some money and when you don't. Like, for most of my life, I never would have ordered the most expensive thing on a menu, right? And I'm sure there's tons of people out there looking uh, listening to us right now that also do the same thing. You go to a restaurant, you're not going to order the most expensive thing on the menu. Do you think you'll stop to look at the prices on restaurant uh, menus once you get drafted? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, – I'm not a big – I, I used to look at the prices as well, but now now it's more like uh, what, what what do I want the most? What's going to make me happy? That's a good position uh, to be in, isn't it? Me up and what's healthy? Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's nice to go out to eat and, and be able to order whatever steak you want. So um, it's it's been a great process, and I'm excited to keep it going. But I mean, I got to eat healthy, so I'm, I'm also looking at what what's the health, healthiest thing on the menu. What could help my body and help me. Uh, Mitchell, you weren't like a massive recruit, I don't think. You got out of the Big Ten country. The Big Ten hasn't had a quarterback drafted the entire Big Ten in the first round since Kerry Collins in 1995. You end up at UNC. How did that happen? How did they let you out of Big Ten territory? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I wasn't the highest uh, quarterback recruit coming out, but I was just going through the process looking for the right fit uh, for me. And, uh, yeah, just going through the process. A lot of the other quarterbacks were committing to the Big Ten schools uh, that were closer to my home, but uh, I went down to North Carolina and I just fell in love with the campus, and uh, I really liked the coaches down there, and I and I just knew it was the spot for me. So um, I'm very proud to be a Tar Heel. Where did you watch the national title game for basketball? Are you all in on North Carolina basketball too? And if so, where were you for the game? Oh yeah, 100. Uh, percent I'm, I'm Tar Heels. Everything I support all I support all the sports, including the basketball team. And I was actually in Chapel Hill for the national tournament. I mean, national championship game. And uh, it, it was an awesome experience uh, to be down there with my roommates and my teammates and to celebrate the big uh, Tar Heel win. How awesome of a night was that in Chapel Hill? I saw some of the pictures of everybody out celebrating. Is that one of the best nights of your life? 
Yeah, it was it was insane. Uh, I'm not I'm not a big crowd person, but uh, we rushed Franklin Street and I got out of there got out of there pretty quickly. But there was tons of people uh, storming the streets, and it, it was awesome. We're talking talking to Mitchell Trubisky. He's going to be drafted tonight, potentially the first overall quarterback taken uh, at the NFL draft. But what do you do when you're not playing football? We know you're a talented guy on the football field. Do you have favorite television shows? What do you do to get away from football? How do you relax? Oh, yeah. I like to watch Netflix and, and anything on uh, Apple TV, really. But uh, my favorite show right now is Entourage. and I'm going back to that TV series. And uh, I like to do that. I like to hang out with my friends and family. I like to go to the movies. I love going out to eat. I like to play golf. I like to swim, go to the beach. And uh, really just spend as much time with my friends and family as possible and just, just hanging out. What season of Entourage are you on right now? I'm, I'm on the last season. <laughs> so you're catching up. You're, I mean, you're a young guy, so you maybe were so young when that series started. I think back in like 2004 or whatever it was, you would have just been – it's crazy to think, right? But, I mean, you would have just been what, like 10 years old when that show started? So uh, when, when you go uh, back yeah. – something like that. When you go back – do you do you want to have a Vinny Chase-like lifestyle? Will you bring some of your buddies wherever you end up to help you kind of handle the business of suddenly becoming a celebrity quarterback, a star a star athlete in this country? <laughs> no, I don't think I'm like Vinny Chase at all. I know how to handle my business, but I definitely want to uh, allow my family and friends to enjoy the ride with me as well. So they're going to be here supporting me. i got the best support system, but uh, I'm, I won't have any of my friends uh, helping me handle my business because uh, I know how to do that. We're talking to Mitchell Trubisky. Who do you who do you look at in the NFL right now and say, in an ideal world, I would like to be like them one day? Who do you aspire? Who do you see that seems to represent parts of your game as well? Who do you seek to emulate in the NFL? Uh, I think I would have to say Aaron Rodgers. I, I model my game after his, just having a quick release, able to what he can do with his feet and escape sticky situations and. He's always in total control on the field, and another guy would be Tom Brady, just having that competitiveness, always be the game manager, um, able to make all the throws, put it exactly where it needs to be, and, and winning Super Bowls. So those those two guys are definitely getting it done, and they've been the face of the NFL for a few years now. And, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all about winning and, and, and running the show. How nervous will you be when the official NFL draft begins tonight? Will you be a guy who's like got a lot of butterflies in your stomach, or do you get eerily calm when big moments happen and you just kind of chill? I'm, I, what is it? What will it feel like? Do you think for you when the draft actually begins? Yeah. I'm not really sure exactly. If I had to guess, I, I would say I'm going to be uh, pretty calm because uh, I, I know it's going to work out for the best. So wherever I go, uh, it's going to work out. I'm just going to try to continue to keep that mindset and. Uh, Wherever I land, it's going to be a dream come true. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to just relax and really enjoy the moment. Are you a bear hug guy? Do you plan on giving the commissioner a huge bear hug, or are you more of like a, a light back tap kind of guy? Yeah, I'm probably just going to shake his hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, tell me what you've got to do here. You're with uh, Hyundai's uh, multifaceted draft program, Rolling with the Rookies. What are you doing with them? Oh, that was an awesome process I, I had with Hyundai. They – came to my hometown and, and allowed me to share some of my story, uh, just growing up in Mentor and, and going to UNC and and being in this position now um, as a potential rookie. And uh, working with Hyundai has been awesome. They, they've been so good to me. And I'm excited to see uh, working with Marcus about the, the custom car wrap they got out here. I'm excited to see the revealing tomorrow. And uh, 
yeah, they've they've done they've done an awesome job, and I just really appreciate how they've allowed me to tell my story out there to so many fans. How do you plan on celebrating? You're going to be drafted later tonight. You will become a uh, a big time football star. You'll get to go to a new city. It's a pretty overwhelming experience. What will you do at the end of the first round of the draft? Uh, hopefully, just I'm I'm out to eat somewhere with my family, uh, enjoying enjoying their company, and I have a bunch of friends coming in town, so. Uh, we're just going to celebrate, have a good time, and then uh, the next day uh, I'll get back to work. I'll be flying to my new city and, and just embracing that. But I'm just going to enjoy the moment, and we're, we're going we're gonna to celebrate. All right, my man. Enjoy the final season of Entourage, and congratulations on a big-time night coming up for you. We appreciate you joining us here on Outkick the Coverage. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. That is Mitchell Trubisky. He's probably going to be the first overall quarterback taken at the end of the NFL draft experience here tonight. Pretty wild. Philadelphia, big-time celebration coming for he and his family. I am Clay Travis. Always a big-time celebration here on OutKick. More coming up next on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. That was Mitch Trubisky. And a lot of people out there early this morning as they're in the media and they are adjusting their draft boards, now potentially having Mitch Trubisky going number one overall to the Cleveland Browns. We'll see what happens. There seems as if there could be some drama brewing around that number one overall pick. And uh, right now, Miles Garrett's still a substantial favorite, but a lot of people getting on this morning and tweeting that they're unsure exactly what's going to happen. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I want to open up the phone lines right now. 877-996-6369 is the phone number. And I started off the show talking about this. Again, my thanks to Mitch Trubisky for joining us on what is a huge day for him to be joining the NFL draft ranks and definitely being the number one overall pick. If you look at the odds makers, you can now bet on the NFL draft, and we'll probably talk about that some at the top here of hour two, and maybe the top of hour three again. But I think the biggest story in sports right now is what's going on at ESPN and what it says about the existing sports rights bubble. I talked at the University of Tennessee probably, I think it was early March, and I was in, this, in, in there with uh, 500 or so college kids there to hear me speak. And I like to poll college kids, right? Like 18 to 22-year-old college kids because their experience is different with media than yours or mine would be. And I asked them an interesting question. I said, how many of you have watched my Periscope or Facebook Live show? And for those of you out there listening right now who haven't listened to that show or you don't have any idea at all what's going on, Periscope is the live video arm of Twitter, and Facebook Live is the live video arm of Facebook. And any one of you right now can go live with your phones, assuming that you have a smartphone, an iPhone-like device, by just pulling up those apps on your phone and clicking go live. And you can show the video of what's surrounding you to anybody in the world, and they can click on it and watch your live experience, whether it's driving right now down the road on your way into work, whether it is being at work right now, whether you're just now rolling out of bed, whatever you're doing, the ability to turn your phone into a live broadcast exists right now. 
And I asked those kids, how many of you have watched my Outkick the Show afternoon show that I do around 3 Eastern every day? How many of you have watched that show recently? Every hand goes up in the entire auditorium. It's 500 college kids at the University of Tennessee. They are the most likely audience to be watching Periscope and Facebook Live. And then I said something interesting. How many of you subscribe to a cable or satellite package? Not one hand went up. The entire room. Then I said, how many of you use your parents' login, sign-in numbers, sign-in passwords to watch sports on a mobile device? Watch ESPN, Fox Sports Go, whatever it is. Almost every hand went up again. We're in the midst of a fascinating era in media and certainly in sports media. And if you don't know this news, yesterday, kind of the crap hit the fan for ESPN. I have been writing for a couple of years about how ESPN's business model is fundamentally broken. And what's wild about this business model that ESPN is now finding itself in the midst of is from 1979 to 2011, ESPN's business model was the greatest business model in the history of media in the world. I don't think that's an exaggeration. They went from zero cable and satellite subscribers to, by 2011, 100 million. And since they were being paid around $7 uh, per month, they got their revenue up to around $7.5 billion a year just off of cable and satellite subscriptions. And amazingly, the best part of their business was the vast majority of you had no idea what you were paying for it. Your cable bill or your satellite bill is a fixed number. It arrives every month and you owe, let's say, $120 or $200 or whatever it is. But it's not itemized. So most people don't realize that every single cable channel costs something. You think about the cost for a cable channel when you decide, oh, am I going to get HBO? Am I going to get Showtime? Am I going to get Cinemax? Am I going to get one of those premium channels? You certainly think about the cost of a subscription when you decide to sign up for Netflix or Amazon Prime, as I'm sure many of you have, or Hulu. Any one of these over-the-top networks, maybe even a subscription for WWE. I know in my household, we have Netflix, we have Amazon Prime, we have... Uh, WWE Network, and we have everything on the cable package. I've got Comcast. Well, people are starting to realize, wait a minute, I'm paying for a lot of channels I never watch. Average person out there watches 16 or 17 stations a month, even though he or she has around 150, probably, maybe more, channels available. Now, if you're a sports fan, ESPN is a great deal at $7 a month. It's a spectacular deal. That's because the vast majority of people are paying for ESPN who never watch it. And as a result, ESPN was able to run up billions of dollars in revenue. But something bad happened. As CBS, Fox, and NBC decided to get into the cable business, ESPN got really aggressive. They said, we're going to protect our castle. We're going to protect our business. We're going to ensure that nobody can ever take away what we are right now, which is the number one sports provider on cable today. And so what did they start to do? They started to drastically overpay for television rights. 
You know ESPN pays $2 billion a year to the NFL? Over $100 million per Monday night football game? Do you know that ESPN pays so much money for the NBA that the four highest paid players in the history of the league are Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and now Memphis Grizzly point guard Mike Conley? They're the only guys to ever average over $30 million a year to play basketball. That's because every single cable and satellite subscriber, this is going to blow your mind, is paying $30 a year for the NBA. Whether you watch it at all, if you subscribe to cable or satellite, you're paying $30 a year for the NBA. And what's happening is a lot of people are saying, wait a minute, I'm going to go get Sling. I'm going to go get uh, YouTube, this new YouTube cheap a la carte offering. A lot of you out there, I get it, are looking at your cable bill saying, man, I make $40,000 a year and I'm spending $1,500 a year on cable. I'd rather turn that into a vacation. What if I just went out to sports bars and watched games? What if I found a way to save money? And the result is ESPN's business is in shambles. They've gone from the best business in the history of media from 1979 to 2011 to what I believe will be a business that loses money every year for Disney by 2021. They spent 30-some-odd years building up an incredible brand that was the best business in the history of media, and in the space of a decade, maybe less, it's going to be totally destroyed as a profitable business. ESPN is a newspaper. It's the best way to think about it. And just like newspapers and magazines now, all have gone basically bankrupt, all have started to fall apart, that's what's happening with ESPN. I'm going to take your calls on this because I think the long-range implication and impact of ESPN's collapse is still not being understood well by larger context in the media and certainly not by the average fan. I'll answer any questions you have. 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, when you put good work in, good comes out like the AutoZone Rewards Program. Spend $20 five times, earn 20 bucks toward the next job. Get in the zone, AutoZone. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on NFL Draft Thursday. I still think one of the smartest things the NFL did was decide to put the draft into primetime. I love the way it's broken up now, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, breaking out all three of those different days. Um, a couple of these prop bets that I think are kind of fascinating as uh, as all of them come down the pike, so to speak, is where are some of these guys going to go? And there always seems to be drama down the stretch of who's going to be the overall number one pick, like what are the situation. And Miles Garrett is still a substantial favorite to be the overall number one pick, but it's starting to trend like it could be Mitch Trubisky, who we talked to in the first uh, hour of the show, second segment, may replay that if you're in your car now and you didn't hear it. Uh, so you know, hour two, we're going to talk to uh, John Morosi. Hour three, we will talk with a guy who uh, I think we'll have some fun with. I haven't talked to him in a while, Joel Clad, who's the lead college football analyst for FS1 and is uh, Fox Sports as well. And is uh, he is with Jake Glazer, and they'll be doing Fox Sports Radio from the Hard Rock Cafe in Philly, getting us ready for the NFL draft. 
But to me, there are a couple of really kind of fascinating questions about the NFL draft as as we come down the stretch here. One, it seems like Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the first overall quarterback. And if you listen to that interview, you know, you can call him Mitch or Mitchell. He's fine either way. So if I flip back and forth, stop tweeting me. Oh, my God, his name is Mitch. His name is Mitchell. Uh, he's going to be the first quarterback off the board. Where does Deshaun Watson go? How high does Christian McCaffrey go? Our guy Peter Schrager put out news that he thinks Christian McCaffrey's definitely gone by eight. If that's true, and I immediately went and bet on that because one of the over-under prop bets is, will Christian McCaffrey be gone by eight and a half? The numbers have all moved such that Christian McCaffrey looks like he's going to be gone by eight. Leonard Fournette appears to be the first overall running back to be gone. Over 11 SEC football players are going to be drafted in the first round, which is a uh, which is a massive number. Over four Alabama football players. These uh, these prop bets are pretty fascinating, and a lot of you out there now will bet on the NFL draft, which is a pretty entertaining uh, pretty entertaining situation to kind of uh, break down. But let's go around the horn. What is the most interesting question for you guys? Uh, let's start with you, Jason Martin. For the NFL draft, what is the most interesting segment or aspect to you about the draft? Meaning specifically tonight or every year? No, this tonight. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's always interesting to see where the quarterbacks are going to go, uh, how many of them are going to go tonight as opposed to teams waiting a little bit. The over-under, by the way, on how many quarterbacks will be drafted in the first round is three and a half. So the expectation, I think, would be that they would come off the board in this order. Trubisky, one. Probably Deshaun Watson, two. Maybe Deshaun Kaiser, three. And then potentially uh, Patrick Mahomes, four. Now, there's also talk that Davis Webb could slide his way up into the number five position. And uh, who knows? I mean, Josh Dobbs seems to be at least getting some talk about being a second-round quarterback, which I think is insane, having watched every throw he's ever made. I have 0% confident that, confidence that former Tennessee quarterback Josh Dobbs is going to be a good NFL quarterback. I think that what's happening is you're seeing the Dak Prescott effect, and people are trying to think, okay, who's the Dak Prescott of this year's draft? And they're looking at Josh Dobbs, mobile quarterback, who has started a bunch of years in college, smart guy, and saying, boy, we don't want to be left behind again like we were with Dak, who went in the fourth round to the Dallas Cowboys and would if this draft, if the 2017 draft were able to be done all over again, Dak Prescott would be the number one overall draft pick. I don't think there's any doubt about that. His performance was that good. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I, th- I, I think I have a little bit more faith in Dobbs than you do, but not necessarily as, I don't think he's going to be some transcendent player. I can't believe how far he's actually come. And I think a lot of it, and I, I would be curious to get your thoughts on this, in terms of Dobbs specifically, it seems to me he's the kind of guy that could wow you when you talk to him. Like, when you watch him, that's one thing. And, yes, we definitely saw accuracy issues, and Tennessee kind of, I don't know, sculpted their offense to avoid him throwing the football down the field, maybe more so than they should have. But when you see him actually throw the ball, if he can't throw the ball, if he can't grab it from under center, go back on a five- or seven-step and then throw it pretty much on a rope where he needs to, he can't be successful in the league no matter how well he can run and things like that. So I'm I'm very curious to see how that plays out. And then the other thing is just who is gonna, who's going to reach tonight? Which team is going to reach and try to go for Deshaun Kaiser, who I think is going to be a flat-out bust in the NFL? Who is going to go up and think, oh, well, I've got to go get him now? and end up leveraging a few other picks that somebody else is going to end up getting rich off of uh, with players later in the draft. See, I don't think – I'm going to start hour two talking about this. I don't think you can reach on quarterbacks. 
I think they matter so much that I don't. I think we need to start to think differently about the way we classify busts. I think the way we need to think about this. I'm going to start hour two by talking about this. The way we need to think about quarterbacks is it's as if you were going out and investing for stocks and you were trying to find a stock that's going to return 10 times what you invest. Most stocks are not going to do that, right? But the ones that do, you say, man, that was an aberration. That was a statistical anomaly, but I'm really glad I went out and got them. There are only about 12 guys in the world that can play quarterback at a high enough level to be total difference makers every week in the NFL. And those 12 guys are so valuable that you have to try to get one every year if you don't already have one. That's what's kind of crazy about the NFL is every year when the NFL starts, if your team has one of the top 12 quarterbacks in the NFL, you can win a Super Bowl. If you don't, which is the other 20 teams, you're either hoping that your guy is one of the 12 best and he's still young, or you're so bad that you're talking about who the next quarterback is going to be, or you're delusional. That's the only three positions you're in if you don't have a top 12 quarterback. You're hoping your guy is one, you are uh, you are delusional, or you're a team that's so bad you're already thinking about who you're going to take in the draft. But I'm going to talk about quarterbacks when we come back top of our two. It's NFL Draft Thursday. Spectacular show off and rolling here. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Uh, let me see here. Should we go? Let me, let me go ahead and uh, kind of reset here as we go into hour two. We're going to talk to uh, John Morosi from uh, the uh, everything, right? He does the NFL on Fox. He will be at the bottom of the hour. And then we will talk in Hour 3 with Joel Klatt, who will be live from Philadelphia about the NFL draft. We probably also will hit some of our interview, if you missed it, in Hour 1 with Mitch or Mitchell Trubisky. He said either one is fine. Uh, he will be on with us again. We'll play some of the hits from us from that interview that we had with him in Hour 1. Word swirling that he may end up being the overall number 1 draft pick. We'll see what the Browns do if they took Mitch Trubisky number 1 overall then in theory, Miles Garrett would actually go to San Francisco with the number two overall pick. We'll see what ends up happening there. A little bit of drama on draft day as we inch closer and closer to the first round of the NFL draft. We've been talking about a uh, several big stories. Obviously, the NFL draft is going on tonight. And that's going to be our lead story all day long today and probably all day tomorrow as well once we know what happens in the first round of the draft. The uh, other issue that's going on out there is ESPN and the future of sports media. And I believe uh, it, we will take a couple of your calls here. So 877-996-6369. You can call in if you want to dive in and uh, discuss any of these issues with us. 877-996-6369. I ran through in hour one a litany of why I believe ESPN is in trouble. We'll probably talk about that more over the course of this show as well because I believe it's the biggest story in sports media and maybe the biggest story in media at all. But I said before we went to break that I was going to say this to come back. I don't think you can overreach for a quarterback. In fact, I think the idea that we have of saying, oh, this quarterback was a bust is, is broken. I don't believe that you can really call someone a bust when only 12 people in America – can do it, that is, be a quarterback at a really high-level job. Like, I just flat out don't get it. Right now in the NFL, 
you are so incentivized to go out and draft a quarterback every year if you don't have a stud quarterback that I think you need to do it. I think you need to start treating NFL teams like you do college football teams. What do college football teams do? It's hard to project who's going to be a great quarterback at the college level based off looking at high school tape. Not as hard as it is to look at college tape and project who's going to be great in the NFL, but still really hard. And what do college football teams do? Every year they sign a quarterback. Just about every year, even if you've got a stud that's already starting for you, you go out and sign a quarterback. Let's use an example. Mitch Trubisky only started 13 games for North Carolina because they had a starter in place his first two years that he couldn't beat out. This guy now is going to be the overall potentially number one draft pick, certainly the first quarterback taken. And by the way, he came out of Ohio. This is a stat that if you want to win some beer money with, I want you to, the only people who are going to know this stat today are people who listen to Outkick the Coverage. You want to win some beer money tonight and you are going out to watch the draft with your buddies or you're going in this weekend and it may still last through the weekend if they don't talk about it during the broadcast. You want a stat that is mind-blowing, that is unbelievable, that will leave everybody around you shaking their heads and saying there's no way on earth that is remotely possible. Do you know who the last quarterback to be drafted in the first round from a Big Ten school is? This is a mind-blowing stat. Giving you a chance right now to guess in your car. You're driving into work. You're waking up. Your alarm's going off. Only people I know that know this, I bet, are regular OutKick readers or OutKick the Show listeners. Again, this stat is going to blow your mind. The last quarterback to be drafted in the first round from a Big Ten school is, I'll tell you the year, 1995. We've gone over a generation of football, 22 years since the Big Ten had a first-round quarterback drafted. 22 years! Do you know who it was? Kerry M. Effing Collins. Kerry Collins from Penn State in 1995 Clay. was the last quarterback to be drafted in the first round from the Big Ten. In Oakland, we had a name for him, Scary Collins. You know, Kerry Collins is a cannon. Guy would drop back. He played for a long time, had a pretty decent career. Played for a lot of different teams. Went to the Super Bowl with the Giants. Lost that year to the Baltimore Ravens. They got whipped. The Giants did. But man, how unbelievable is that stat? That is flat out unbelievable that it has been that long since there has been a quarterback drafted in the first round from the Big Ten. So to me, what you have to consider here is how rare it is to have a really good quarterback and go out and find him. Now, who are these top 12 quarterbacks? I'm doing them kind of off the top of my head right now, so if I leave somebody out, it's not because I'm trying to send like some awful signal. But if we were drafting quarterbacks right now. In fact, let's just go around the horn and we'll do it. Jason Martin, who would be the first quarterback off your board if you were starting a team and he only had him for one year? We're not drafting forever. 2017, who's the first quarterback you take? Of who's available in the draft? Um, no, no, no. All of the NFL. Oh, oh, all of the current NFL. Aaron Rodgers. All right. Aaron Rodgers off the board. Who would you guys take? Let's go to uh, let's go to LA. Danny G and uh, and Justin, just who would you guys take? For one season, I would take Tom Brady. Okay, okay. so we got two off the board. I think those are two legitimate guys that are off the board that everybody would agree with. Justin, who you got? Oh, man. 
So I, I obviously I can't go with either of those two guys, right? I gotta go with yes. somebody else. That's how the draft works. You yeah. can't take the same person that somebody else took. That's not fair. No, um, <laughs> I, I guess I'd go with. Uh, uh, I hate to say it, Danny's forcing me. Probably Derek Carr. Uh, nice. Derek Carr's not a bad pick. All uh, right. So I mean, those are three guys that I think most people would say, okay, that's a pretty, it's a pretty sterling collection of of guys. You know, and there may be some some disagreement out there, but I I think you go with a guy who's won two Super Bowls, and obviously he's got a lot of talent around him right now. I go with Eli Manning. So that is uh, that's four guys who are off what? the board. We're gonna go with Eli. <laughs> I mean, I, look, there are a lot Clay, of guys you can take, but I think show. there's no Clay. doubt that Eli is a top 12 quarterback. Clay, I thought you would at least would have went on, with Clay. Marcus Mariota. Well, Marcus Mariota's great, but he hasn't won two Super Bowls yet. True, but Eli's never going to win another. Oh, I think he will. Boy, I don't. I think he will. Mm. He's probably got another five or six years to play quarterback. What is he, 34? I think Eli will win another Super Bowl. I mean, he's got Odell. I, look at the receiving core he's going to have this year. They're going to have one of the most explosive offenses potentially in the history of the NFL this year. If all the talent were equal because we're picking a quarterback, so we're not looking at the teams in terms of what they have on the team, Eli Manning, really? Just going because to, he's to, won Super Bowls? Let, you know what? I'm just going to stop the draft, all right? Let's just go through. My, my pick has been so – but we can do this pretty quick, right? Matt Ryan would be in everybody's top yep. 12. I don't think there's any doubt. Drew Brees would be in everybody's top 12, all right? That's six. Uh, I, I think probably Russell Wilson would be in just about everybody's top 12, right, at, at seven. And you start to run through this list, and you say, okay, man, how many guys do we really 100% have confidence in? I think most people who are reasonable would have to say, okay, Andrew Luck would be in my top 12, right? I don't think there's anybody out there who really – I know he's had health issues a little bit the last couple of years, but I think most people would have to say, yeah, you know what, Andrew Luck is certainly in the top 12. That's at eight, right? Maybe some people would say Cam Newton. I'm not sure Cam Newton is in the top 12, right? I'm not even sure. Marcus Mariota should be in your top 12 if you have watched him play at all. That's 10. What names am I leaving out right now that you guys think indisputably are top 12 quarterbacks in this league? Ben Roethlisberger, would you still say he's in there? Maybe he's got a couple of Super Bowls. Again, I went with Eli also for the same reason that he's got a couple of Super Bowls. I don't think you can fake your way to double Super Bowl titles. So let's say Ben Roethlisberger, even though he's 35 or 36 years old and was talking about retirement in the offseason, that's 11 guys. Phillip Rivers, maybe. <laughs> Phillip Rivers, he'd maybe. Be right, he'd be right around there. Maybe Phillip Rivers is, is, is another guy that you would have to take. But again, that's, that's how slim the quarterback pickings get, right? I don't think we've left anybody out. I think somebody drafted Brady, right? Did somebody draft Brady yeah, early in our top pick. four? Okay, so, so I mean, that's 12, all right? If you've got one of those 12 guys that I just named, maybe Jameis Winston, if somebody really wants to be aggressive and argue that Jameis Winston's a top 12 quarterback, I don't buy it, but he's around that range, right? So Where, that, where, that's, where would you put Kirk Cousins? Yeah, Kirk Cousins should be in there. Like right he's on the right I, I would put, there, I would yeah. put yeah, I would put Cousins probably. I mean, look, I think Cousins is certainly a top 12 guy. Who He's probably – I'd put him certainly above Phillip Rivers. So yeah, I, would I would say too. that's probably our top 12. All right? Like, you can quibble about exactly where those people should be drafted. Some people out there are going to say, oh, you're overrating Marcus Mariota. They're going to say – the point on this is simple. There, It's hard to get to 12, right? By the time you're getting to 13 or 14, you're saying, okay, maybe Phillip Rivers. Maybe he's still good enough. Maybe Jameis Winston. It's, it's tough to even come up with a top half quarterback list in this league. So my argument on this is the way that the current NFL CBA is structured, okay, the way that the current NFL CBA is structured, 
it makes total sense every year to go out and draft a quarterback unless you believe you have one of those top 12 guys. And the reason why I say that is because the value from a great quarterback, a guy who pans out and ends up being a starting quarterback who's good enough to be top 12 in this league, is so far in excess of the downside if he tanks. If a quarterback isn't any good, you know what you do? Your team is mediocre and it sucks. If you don't have a good quarterback, do you know what your team is? It's mediocre and it sucks. Okay, The days of Trent Dilfer are done. Unless you have the greatest defense in the history of the NFL, you're not winning a a, a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer. That was a long-ass time ago, by the way, for everybody out there who's like, what about Trent Dilfer? That's always the response anytime you're like, all that matters in the NFL is a quarterback. Some loser out there is like, well, what about Trent Dilfer, Clay? All right, yeah, that was in 2000. You're right. In the year 2000, which is almost 20 years ago, a crappy quarterback won a Super Bowl. And do you know what he had? the greatest defense in the history of the NFL to support him. If you think your team has the greatest defense in the history of the NFL and can go a month without scoring a touchdown like the Baltimore Ravens did that year, they went a flipping month without scoring a touchdown. That's how bad that offense was, yet that defense was good enough to be able to carry them. Then okay, you're right. You can win a Super Bowl with a crappy quarterback. Guess what's not going to happen? You are not going to have the greatest. Your team is not going to have the greatest defense in the history of the NFL very often. Certainly ain't going to happen next year. So you need a good quarterback. Great example. Vince Young in 2006, I believe, was the draft year. Number three overall pick went to the Tennessee Titans. Do you know what the Tennessee Titans paid him under that deal? $52 million. Vince Young, now the starting quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Fair to say that Vince Young, while not a total bust, was not worth anywhere near $52 million. He's since also not been successful with the Buffalo Bills, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Everywhere VY has gone, it has not worked out for him. So VY, $52 million. A few years later, I believe it was the 2000, was it 11 draft? I'm not sure. Was it 2010? Whatever year Jake Locker got drafted. Jake Locker went number eight overall. The year that Cam Newton went first overall, the Titans took Jake Locker out of Washington, number eight overall. Jake Locker retired at the age of 26. That's a rough rough decision, right? Four years into his career, he just flat out said, you know what, I'm retiring. Jake Locker, pretty big bust. Do you know what it cost the Titans? $12 million, virtually nothing. The way the CBA is structured right now, if you get a great quarterback at a young age, you are set. That's how the that's how the Russell Wilson-led Seattle Seahawks won a title because they had a guy who didn't cost hardly anything under the cap. Right now, the Bucks, the Titans, the Cowboys, maybe the Eagles with Carson Wentz, we'll see. Certainly the Raiders with Derek Carr. I think those are the five best young quarterbacks in the NFL who are still under their rookie contracts. Again, I'll run through them. Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz, uh, Dak Prescott, and uh, Jameis Winston. Those five guys, those five teams have the potential to make a move like the Seattle Seahawks did. All of them have top young quarterbacks who aren't costing hardly anything. The result, go take a quarterback. So if I'm the Browns and there's anybody in my room at all who thinks that Mitch Trubisky can be a top 10 or 12 quarterback in this league, you got to go get him. Got to go get him because the payoff for going to get Miles Garrett 
ain't going to be that large. You're still going to be a mediocre team. Look at what's happened with the Texans with J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt's the best defensive player in the NFL for multiple years. Texans still suck. You know why? Because they had Brock Osweiler. Texans still suck now. You know why? Because they got Tom Savage. It doesn't matter about the talent around your quarterback unless your quarterback is good. There were tw- there were 11 playoff games in the NFL this year. The best quarterback won 10 of them. You didn't even know the rest. need to know the rest of the roster. Okay, open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. You can react to anything that we're talking about. Bottom of the hour, we'll go to John Morosi. And next hour, we'll go live to Philadelphia with Joel Klatt, probably also re-hit some of our Mitch Trubisky interview. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage, and this is Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Uh, we are rolling through the show at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk to John Morosi as we do every single Thursday in hour two. Hour three, we're going to jump back out to Philadelphia where Joel Klatt, lead college football analyst for Fox Sports, is uh, getting ready for the draft. By the way, I think the NFL draft's decision, the NFL gets ripped for a lot of things. People are like, oh, the NFL sucks. First of all, the NFL is pretty awesome, all right? <laughs> and I think one of the smartest things the NFL has done is move the draft out of New York City and start to rotate it around the rest of the country. And I saw a report in Sports Business Daily recently where 23 different cities have bid to host the next year of the NFL draft. And what the NFL is thinking about doing, which is actually really even cooler, is doing a multi-city draft. So having the first round maybe on Thursday in insert city here, then going somewhere else for Friday and somewhere else for Saturday, that's pretty awesome. Really cool that they are moving it around. I hope people in the city of Philadelphia have fun with it. Last year it was in Chicago. Are those the only two cities they've gone to so far? Do they go to L.A. the year before? I can't even remember how many years it's been now that they've been rotating it outside of New York City. Uh, I think maybe they started in L.A. Just those two. All right. Well, that's supposedly the case. Uh, Let's go to uh, Cole in – I'm not sure where Cole is. Where's Cole from? Chattanooga, Tennessee. What's up, Cole? How's it going? I'm doing excellent. Um, So I recently saw a report on um, Fortune magazine that said that Apple might be considering, probably not, uh, buying Disney. And I was just kind of wondering, like, what that impact might be on ESPN if Apple did actually end up buying Disney. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. The big question, a lot of people have asked this on Twitter, too, uh, and it's a good question asking about Apple. The big question out there for these sports leagues is, are the major tech companies in the world, and they're almost all based in America now, going to make decisions to go in all in on buying sports rights? In other words... Facebook, Apple, Google, Amazon, Netflix, some of these major companies that are all soaring in terms of their market cap, are they going to make a decision to go after some of these sports rights as the ESPNs of the world collapse and are not able to pay for what they already have? And that is a, uh, that's the, that's the trillion-dollar question for sports leagues because I think they've gotten used to the sports rights bubble artificially inflating what people are going to pay again. Every single person who has a cable or satellite subscription is paying $30 a year to the NBA. That's how Mike freaking Conley is going to make over $30 million under his new contract. Fourth guys in the history of the NBA have made $30 million. Michael Jordan, pretty good. 
Kobe Bryant, pretty good. Guy by the name of LeBron James, pretty good. And now Memphis Grizzly point guard Mike Conley. That's because of ESPN's insanely overpaid NBA television deal. And so those those costs are, are spread out over years and years. $8 billion a year ESPN has to spend for content and programming rights. And will they get that bridge? Thursday night football, Amazon's kind of sticking its toe in the water. Going to pay between 50 and $80 million, depending on which report you read, to carry those Thursday night football games as part of Amazon Prime. Will that continue to grow? Are there other teams that are going to do the same th- other uh, companies that are going to do the same thing in tech in the tech world? And one of the rumors out there that has been written about a decent amount is Apple deciding to buy Disney. Apple buying Disney makes sense, but Apple buying ESPN doesn't make sense to me. ESPN is just a part of the Disney Corporation. Here's the problem that I think ESPN has. They don't produce anything that really matters, right? All they are is a middleman. They make the decision to put on a game, and they don't own that game. And what happens in most of modern American business, the middleman ends up getting squeezed out because he's not providing anything of additional value. Right now, content is all that matters. Let's just start with that thesis. And by content, I mean if you are an HBO fan, all that matters is Game of Thrones, right? As, as an example, all that matters is all of their content. But Game of Thrones is so good that it's going to be watched 20 years from now and be just as good, right? If you've got young kids or yet you're, you're a young guy and you don't even have kids yet, there's a very good chance that one day you're going to be sitting around and your kid is going to be watching Game of Thrones. That show is not going to be any worse 20 years from now. It's probably not going to be any worse 40 years from now. HBO has created a content that will last for generations. What does ESPN actually produce that has value for more than 24 hours? Not much. See, ESPN's secret sauce as they went from 1979 from nothing to 2011 with 100 million subscribers was that initially they had the highlights. In addition to games, and the games came later, initially they had the highlights. So if you were of my generation, and I'm the exact same age as ESPN, I'm 38 years old, I was born in 1979, if you were of my generation, you still remember sitting down in front of your television and watching ESPN highlight packages where you didn't know how the game ended. Nobody out there now, kids, ever do that. I told this story before on the air, but after the Super Bowl ended late, my boys, I put them to bed because I thought it was over. I thought the Falcons were going to win. They didn't stay up and watch the whole thing. They woke up. My six-year-old wanted to know who won the Super Bowl. And so he woke up, he got his iPad, and he asked Siri, Siri, who won the Super Bowl? It's pretty amazing, right? Highlights have become like music videos at MTV. That is, they're everywhere. You can watch them at any moment in time. And just like MTV has tanked, and in particular the signature show of MTV, TRL has tanked, Remember when TRL, Total Request Alive, used to be the used to be the end-all, be-all for teenagers? Britney Spears is going to go on with her new video. Christina Aguilera was going to go on with her new video. Jamie Horowitz at Fox Sports is right about this. He came out and said, look, SportsCenter is TRL. They don't have anything that you haven't seen before. Used to sit down in front and watch a highlight package. I was a huge Cincinnati Reds fan. Sit down and watch the Cincinnati Reds highlight packages. I didn't know who won the game. 
I'm watching SportsCenter to see. And SportsCenter secret sauce is, unlike your local sportscast, comes on at 10.30 at night or whatever it is, where they would come on and give you two minutes of sports and just give you the scoreboard, you actually got to say video highlights of your favorite team. That's all gone. You see highlights instantaneously on social media. There's nobody of a modern age who sits down in front of the television and doesn't know what the outcome of a game was when SportsCenter comes on. You just go into an app, check the scores, check the highlights instantaneously. It's available everywhere. ESPN doesn't produce anything of any lasting value. They're the middleman on producing games, which are owned by the leagues. Other than 30 for 30, is there a single thing that ESPN produces that five years from now still would have validity? Nobody's watching PTI a day after it airs. Nobody's watching SportsCenter a day after it airs. It's disposable content. And their business is tanking. All right, we're going to go to John Morosi. He's a smart guy. I'll talk about this a little bit with him as well as the current picture in Major League Baseball. Hour three, we go back to the NFL draft. And uh, we are off and rolling here, as always. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. We go to John Morosi. He is at John Morosi on Twitter. And I want to start with this, John. You're a smart guy. You went to Harvard, all right? What are your thoughts on the state of sports media today? Do you, as a guy who is really talented talking about Major League Baseball and the NHL, both of which I'm going to get to shortly, do you spend much time thinking about larger industry trends? Do you think much about sports media? Or do you just kind of say, screw it, I'm not on the business side, and just burrow down on what you do? I'm kind of curious from your perspective how much attention you pay to news like the ESPN news that came out yesterday. Well, sure, Clay. For me... um... I think mostly about the people that were involved um, and some of the absolute best people in our business, um, Jason Stark in particular. I think that you see what happened yesterday. And for someone who, um, and I told Jason this yesterday, he's a friend of mine, and when I entered the business, I looked up to Jason immensely. I admired his writing ability um, before I even met him. And then um, getting to know him as a friend and as a father, as a family man, and, of course, uh, what a phenomenal professional he is. That I always thought that the first time I covered a playoff game uh, that he was at, I, I, it was a huge honor for me. I remember still feeling that way back in 2004, the first time I did that. And, and uh, so the news yesterday hit me pretty hard because in the years that I've known him now, I guess going back now 13 years, um, he's only gotten better as a professional um, and I've only gotten to know what a phenomenal person he is away from uh, work. And, and so I think, Clay, for me, any time you, you get a piece of news and you're trying to digest the fact that there was a company, whoever it is, or in whatever circumstances it is, that, that decides that he's no longer part of the, the, the plan, it just it's jarring because I, I know – what a phenomenal person and professional he is. And so I think, Clay, for me, esoterically, there's that question about if, if, if Jason Stark all of a sudden isn't in somebody's lineup, um, then something seems wrong to me. And that's, that's how I feel about Doug Glanville as well, and Roel Labanias, who I've worked with in the past at, at Fox and who I covered actually as a player and as a phenomenal person. Um, and Dallas Braden does very good work for them as well. So it, just, it was a very 
jarring day. Uh, even Mark Saxon, Doug Padilla, Jim Bodum, these are all people that I've gotten to know. So it was just a very difficult day, I think, Clay, for all of us that uh, cover sports and have friends that, that, that work in the business. It's wild. I saw this report, and I don't think it's gotten that much attention, that ESPN may just put the Major League Baseball Network's show on its own airwaves. And I, I bet a lot of people out there listening right now have not even heard this report. I saw it up on the big lead that they would, in a cost-cutting move, just take the programming, studio programming that's already existing on the Major League Baseball Network and put it on ESPN airwaves. Yeah, that that is news to me, and, and obviously I, uh, I I work at MLB Network, so uh, I'm not even sure uh, that that's uh, that's that, possible that's, for that's you. News to me, but um, but again, it's just I think yesterday far more than any sort of um, expertise on a on a corporate angle because I I don't have any. Uh, I just I just do uh, you know from that standpoint, I'm just sort of busy in, in my own little corner of the the media universe. To me, yesterday was just about the people, and and uh, and that's that was the. That was a tough part for me to deal with because these are friends of mine, people that I admire, and, and I think for all of us, Clay, when when you see news like that, um, and and it involves people that you, re, you respect a lot um, and really admire, I think it just it was just a tough tough day for all of us, and I think that's that's where you realize. Listen, I, I work at MLB Network and I work at Fox, so I, I you know nominally these are um, these are competitors of, of, of ESPN, but I, I yesterday I just looked at it and it was. It was just one of those days that was that was gut wrenching, and but when I saw Jason's name, it just honestly, Clay, I was speechless. I I couldn't even I didn't even know what to say. I, I couldn't I could not fully process that news. And uh, and again, I think maybe that this may be a surprise to some listeners who, who think that we're uh, that, that we that we compete as hard as the as as the Patriots do against the Steelers, and that there's the feelings of animosity and and and, and that it runs very deep. But in fact. Um, these are these are my friends, and so it was a really uh, really difficult day. We're talking to John Morosi. All right, let's get outside of the difficult day and talk about something. I bet you were pretty impressed by. I I know you're a major league baseball guy, but how about how uh, the performance of the Nashville Predators, who evidently are never going to lose a playoff game again, <laughs> and in particular PK Saban, who was extraordinary on the ice last night. Remarkable, Clay. I, you know, I, I watched a, a lot of the game last night, and uh, how about this? P.K. Subban, to, to come in, and, and of course his former team, the Montreal Canadiens, loses in the first round. So there's a lot of talk, I think especially in Canada, about the narrative of the, the big trade, Weber for Subban, who won the trade. It'll probably take us years to process this, but it was poignant that I believe in the first round of, of, the, of the first game of the second round, that, of course, without his former team now still alive in the playoffs, that Subban comes in and is all over the ice. Best player on the ice for Nashville, and I think it was really poignant. Of course, as you know, uh, Kevin Fiala, who's been very good for Nashville in the playoffs, a really horrific knee injury, leg injury it looked like, um, in the second period there. And less than a minute after the injury happens, they have to stop the game to get an ambulance uh, to, to get in a stretcher to get Fiala off the ice. Subban scores a huge goal that, that puts momentum back on his team's side. Uh, so I was just very impressed by PK. And, of course, uh, Vernon Fiddler uh, gets the winner, someone who didn't play a single game in the first round uh, after it looked like uh, overtime was all but assured by the way St. Louis had come back and tied the game at 3-3. Uh, Vernon Fiddler, a fiddler, Clay, slaves, uh, saves. So a fiddler saves the Music City. How about that as a little storyline? And, and I, I thought it was just a, an, an amazing story there. And, again,
weekend for somebody that had not pl- not played uh, in the first round for Fiddler to come in and play the way he did was just sensational. And again, as you point out, when you're playing this well, uh, it, it now appears maybe the Preds aren't going to lose a hockey game anytime soon at the most important time of year. We're talking to John Morosi. Follow him on Twitter at John Morosi. He joins us every Thursday at this time. Let's go to baseball, your expertise level. And I haven't talked about this story much, but I find it pretty fascinating. Derek Jeter, Miami Marlins, and Jeb Bush, they buy, evidently are going to buy this team. What do you know about that story? What an interesting uh, you know, kind of joining uh, of guys. Jeb Bush, who a lot of people thought would end up where Donald Trump is or at least get the Republican nomination, he gets blown out there. Ends up like his brother, uh, George, to be affiliated, George W., to be affiliated with the baseball team. And obviously, Derek Jeter, one of the most iconic players in the history of Major League Baseball. What does that mean for Miami, and what does it mean for the Marlins? Well, first and foremost, it was a report in the Miami Herald this week. The sale price is $1.3 billion. There's a an agreement in principle, let's say, Clay, between uh, between Jeb Bush and, and Derek Jeter and, and then uh, the current owner, Jeffrey Loria, to purchase the Marlins. Uh, so the contract is not done yet. Uh, that, that, that will take some time to, to work through. And it probably, just based on my experience in following previous sales of, of MLB teams, I would expect it won't happen until the August owners' meetings at the earliest uh, because it'll take a, probably a number of, of weeks and months to get everything drawn up. And also, of course, the All-Star game is in Miami. Uh, one would assume Jeffrey Loria wants to be a part of that before he uh, sells the franchise. So I, I think that's probably the most likely timeline. But to me, I, I think it's a really great thing for baseball, and Rob Manfred has said this as well, when you have an iconic player in your sport that gets involved at an ownership level, um, it really is, I think, a, a huge positive for the league. And the commissioner, in fact, has said that. He acknowledged pre- previously that he has actually given Derek Jeter some advice uh, and, and really just spoken about his interest in owning a club. So I think it, that's all positive. And, and, and he, actually, he also made the point, Rob Manfred did, that Jeter would add some diversity to the ownership group, which is good as well, uh, just to get some different perspectives involved there. Uh, so I, I think it's a really, really nice story for the game on that end of things. You think about it, there's only about a handful of really true superstar players, Clay, who have gone on to own franchises in that sport that they played in. Mario Lemieux comes to mind, Nolan Ryan, Michael Jordan, and so Jeter joining in here I think is a really, uh, it's, it's a nice storyline for the game. And, of course, Jeb Bush, uh, listen, he is from a baseball family. He's from a political family, of course, but he's from a baseball family. His father, as we know, was the captain of Yale's baseball team, met Babe Ruth rather famously during his senior year at Yale, uh, playing baseball there, and, and his brother, George W. Bush, former owner of the Rangers. So this is, uh, uh, at, its, at its core, it's somebody who's been associated with, with baseball for a long time and through his family, is a South Florida resident. So I, I think that adds a lot of cachet uh, beyond just the name recognition. I think even if you take that part away, the political side away, uh, this is someone who is very, has a very, very good qual- uh, profile, I believe, to own a major baseball franchise in South Florida. A couple of uh, additional questions for you here. I always say for Major League Baseball, for people out there who are early in the year, they're not paying a lot of attention, what were the best storylines of the past week to you? What should we have seen if we didn't see it? To me, Bryce Harper's continued ascent. He's batting 400 right now, Clay. He is uh, back to being the, uh, I think, the transformational player that we saw him be a couple of years ago. Uh, and we, we've talked before about how he probably has the best chance to be a LeBron-type figure in the game right now among the current players um, that, that can really inspire a lot of debate and, and be polarizing and be talented. So I, I think for me it's a really interesting story uh, for the way the Nationals are playing. They are in first place and look like one of the absolute best teams in the major leagues right now. They've gotten a really nice infusion 
from Adam Eaton uh, as well. And, of course, Eric Thames continues to <laughs> continues to homer, it seems like, every day. He had a bit of an injury scare last night, but it's not believed to be too serious. So I think those are two great stories to watch. Also, I would say this. If you're someone that loves the trade deadline, uh, pay very close attention now to the Kansas City Royals. They have lost seven straight games. They had an 0-7 road trip. They just got back. They had the day off today. But if things do not go well for them in the near term, they are in last place now in the American League Central. If things don't turn around, you're going to see some very familiar names from a team that won the World Series just two years ago, Clay. Names like Mike Moustakis, Eric Hosmer, Lorenzo Cain, Alcides Escobar, um, Jason Vargas on the mound. A lot of names that we know are going to be on the trade market, I believe, this summertime. So, again, if they continue to lose or just play mediocre baseball, and your favorite team needs a first baseman, third baseman, center fielder, shortstop, or a starting pitcher, I would say watch uh, the Kansas City Royals games very closely here over the next couple months. Outstanding stuff as always, John Morosi. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great, Clay. And again, I may be covering. We'll see. I may actually cover a little a little hockey here before all is said and done. So, my friend, I may see you in your amazing city of Nashville if the current trends continue there for the Preds. Outstanding stuff. I'll probably be out for Game Three or Four. Got to get my Stanley Excellent. Cup uh, action here. Fever rolling. Uh, I am Clay Travis. Final segment of Hour Two. So you know, in Hour Three, we'll head to Philly. Talk to Joel Klatt, also Mitch Trubisky, the top quarterback off the boards according to most people potential overall number one pick will re-hit him he had we had him on with us in the first hour i am clay travis you're listening to outkick the coverage on fox sports radio uh we just talked to john morosi we just talked uh, also to mitch trubisky we're going to talk to him in the final hour once more and also we're going to go to philadelphia where joel Klatt is sitting there getting ready for the fox sports radio coverage with my guy jay glazer and uh, that should be a pretty good, uh, pretty good setup, I think, to talk about the continuing drama of who is going to be the overall number one draft pick. And I kind of ran through why I think it makes sense to draft a quarterback no matter what. And, man, I, uh, I got to confess with you, I'm pretty excited to see what's going to happen with this first pick. Every year I kind of make fun of myself about how much I care about the NFL draft, and I don't care less about it ever. By the time the draft gets here, I'm all in. If you told me right now the draft is basically like if they put the draft, it's too late, but if they made the draft, let's say July, when nothing else is going on, if, if, if the NFL if the NFL wanted to go all America, imagine if they made the draft on July 4th. There's nothing going on on July 4th otherwise, right? Like fireworks going off, everything else. If the NFL just turned July 4th into the NFL draft, like I think eventually they're going to make the Super Bowl on President's Day weekend. So it's going to be a long holiday weekend for all of you guys who happen to get fortunate enough to get President's Day off on that Monday. I think the Super Bowl is eventually going to be the Sunday before President's Day. And then it'll basically be a red, white, and blue weekend. The NFL can bathe itself in the flag as long as, you know, Colin Kaepernick's willing to stand for the national anthem. Man, July 4th NFL draft, that would be pretty fantastic. Something to think about. Again, final hour. We're going up to Philadelphia with Joel Klatt in the second segment of the final hour. We're also going to talk to Mitch Trubisky. We talked to him in hour one. I'm going to replay some of that for you in hour three. And we'll hopefully have a little bit of fun here on Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. 
I am Clay Travis. It is the final hour as the tick down to the start of the NFL draft rolls closer and closer. Everyone out there waiting with bated breath to see will Miles Garrett be the overall number one draft pick? What will end up happening? Nobody seems to know. There are a lot of fascinating details out there about NFL prop bets, and I haven't hit any of these yet, but I do think they're worth diving into because you can now gamble on what's going to happen in the NFL draft. And obviously, we can go ahead and hit a couple of big wins. Uh, The Boston Celtics continued their great comeback. I think they're probably going to close it out in six games against uh, against certainly the Chicago Bulls. Bulls came out and won the first two. Then Rajon Rondo hurts his thumb. They go back to Chicago, lose two there. Celtics take game five. This thing, I think, is probably over. Even if the Bulls come back and win game six, which I don't think they will do, I think this thing is going to end before uh, before we get back to game seven. Meanwhile, the Washington Wizards won game five over the Atlanta Hawks. The visiting team has lost all five of those games. That is, the home team is 5-0. and oh, And so we will continue to track that. Obviously, the NFL draft is our number one story and here are several prop bets that are out there this I think is pretty interesting Uh, how many quarterbacks will be taken over under three and a half is the number how many running backs taken in round one it appears that McCaffrey and Fournette are a done deal and probably also Dalvin Cook the big question Joe Mixon does not seem likely to go in the first round will he go in the second round we'll probably talk a lot about that on Friday's show The number of players that are going to be taken based on conferences, SEC players taken in round one over under is 11. The SEC has led all of the conferences out there in terms of players drafted for the last 10 years. We'll see how that continues to play out. Alabama players taken over under for round one, four and a half Alabama players. Right now, this number continues to come down, which makes me think that there is a lot of movement going on. Miles Garrett. Drafted with the first pick. Will he be drafted with the first pick? Now down to minus 500. That means you would have to put in a dollar to, you'd have to put up five to win one, roughly, in there. Um, Any other player drafted first, now down to plus 335, three to one. Why does that matter? Miles Garrett was as much as minus 2,600. It's now down to minus 500. Maybe it's just drama trying to get stirred up for the start of the draft. We don't know exactly. We'll see. Will Mitch Trubisky, we're going to play our hit with Mitch Trubisky. Will he be the first quarterback drafted? Minus 420 that he will be. Leonard Fournette, first running back drafted. Minus 600. In other words, Leonard Fournette going to be the first running back off the board. It looks like Mike Williams from Clemson will be the first wide receiver drafted. Leonard Fournette, draft position, probably around number five or six. And uh, probably not going to be number five unless the Titans straight out of that pick. Jonathan Allen, I love this stuff. I absolutely love. Anyway, you can bet now on where these guys are going to go. I'm going to hit you with a couple of more big names. Mitch Trubisky looks like he's going to be drafted under number 11. Big favorite there. Deshaun Watson's draft position, even money. Will he go at 12 or not? 12 and a half. Uh, And uh, I absolutely love all this. Joe Mixon, by the way, if you're wondering, his draft position over under 46 and a half. It seems likely that he is going to go in the second or the third round, probably the second round at some point out there. I have been making the argument, if you are a believer, if you are the Cleveland Browns and after all your research and all the failures that I know the Cleveland Browns have had at the quarterback position, if you are a believer in Mitch Trubisky, 
then there's no harm in taking him number one. Now, I've also been saying Mitch Trubisky sounds like the made-up name. Been saying this on the air for a while. Sounds like the made-up name of a quarterback that the Cleveland Browns would take at number one, and he would end up not being very good. But if Trubisky is good, nobody ever goes back and says, you overdrafted at the quarterback position if you get the right guy. Right? Nobody ever goes back and says, man, you know what? That team that took uh, so-and-so at number one, if you think Trubisky's the guy, I don't know why the Browns wouldn't try to get him at one. Now, they have the number 12 overall pick. They do, too, the Cleveland Browns. Maybe they'll be willing to trade up. One of the kind of linchpin moves that seems it could happen in the draft is whether or not we're going to get the Tennessee Titans trading out of number five. If the Titans trade out of number five, it's probably for a team coming up to try to get Mitch Trubisky at the five hole. Obviously, the Titans are very comfortable with Marcus Mariota. They don't need a quarterback. The expectation is the Jets may want a quarterback. Jets, obviously, not very stacked at quarterback. They pick sixth overall. If they decide to take a quarterback with that pick, then potentially they could be taking the first overall quarterback. So the kind of the thing to pay attention to is if the Titans trade back, that's probably a sign that somebody's coming up to try to get Mitch Trubisky. And for everybody out there who's like, oh, I have a strong opinion on Mitch Trubisky, I think it's really hard to have one. He's only played 13 games. I have no idea whether he's going to be a stud or not. Neither do you. We're going to play our interview with him. He came on the first hour of the show. We're going to play our interview with him at the bottom of this hour. We're going to go to Joel Klatt up in Philadelphia here shortly as he gets ready for the start of the NFL draft. And to me, that is the big question. That is the big question. Is Trubisky going to be the guy? And also, I've watched every major game that Deshaun Watson has played over the last several years. Where's Deshaun Watson going to end up? And where does he project? I find that to be a fascinating question. And we haven't even hardly talked about him at all today. But what's going to happen with Ohio State's defensive back, Jerrion Conley, who right now is having to deal with this continuing sexual assault fallout. He is denying any responsibility for uh, anything wrongdoing in that case. This is the third straight year we've had a story like this emerge. Two years ago, Lyle Collins, LSU offensive lineman, did not get drafted, all because of the mess that surrounded him, right? Whether or not he was going to be the guy was a big question. Uh, that was involved in a murder investigation. He ended up having absolutely nothing to do with it, but he wasn't drafted. Dallas Cowboys signed him as an undrafted free agent last year. Right as the draft is about to start, video comes out of, amazingly, Laramie Tunsil smoking weed and a gas mask. Uh, Everything that surrounded that was the fallout. He ends up going in front of the press and saying that Ole Miss paid him. Ole Miss is still trying to deal with the fallout that came from that interview and all of the attention that was on Laramie Tunsil that day when he went and spoke to the media after the gas mask video came out. Now this year, Conley is in the line of fire. I think he's probably, because of this story, dropping out of the first round. I saw some tweets suggesting he may be willing to go, maybe able to go in the third round. Total mess kind of surrounding that situation. So the NFL draft, again, I think one of the great moments in television, this is the time when everybody, what I love about the NFL draft, and we'll probably talk about this tomorrow, is every single executive, especially in the first round, gets a guy they didn't expect to be there. That's the number one cliche. Watch the interviews with the GMs and the coaches that are on TV today. Every single person is going to say, you know what? I didn't anticipate that this guy was going to be here. On our board, we never believed this guy was going to be here. Everybody is always stunned that somebody fell to them. We had him at number one overall, and we got him 
at the 31st pick. Yeah, right. Nobody believes that, but that's always what is said. Always, always, always. Okay, going to go a little bit early here today uh, and bounce out because we're going to go back and touch base with Joel Klatt in Philadelphia. We will be off and running with him. Going to go again with Joel Klatt. We'll join him in Philadelphia, and then we're going to play this Mitch Trubisky interview. If you guys missed it in hour one, as he potentially is surging all the way to the top of the board. In the meantime, if your check engine light comes on, head to AutoZone. Their fixed finder tool can check it on the spot for free. Get in the zone, AutoZone. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage. We go now to Philadelphia, where this guy will be on Fox Sports Radio later this evening. He is Joel Klatt at Joel Klatt on Twitter, the lead college football analyst for Fox Sports and the foremost authority on Saved by the Bell in the entire country. Joel Klatt, what is shaking, my man? I, I just, I, I'm still baffled at the Twitter conversation from yesterday because there was some thought that you could actually, like, beat me up if we were to actually get into a fight. And, athletes and that, are always so disgusted that, that, when non-athletes are. baffling to me. You, you're bat- what is your height and weight? I'm 6'1", 200 pounds. When was the last time you were actually in a fight, like a physical fight? I I could not even remember. I have no idea. I mean, you didn't get in a fight in college at any point. No, I didn't. I got you live in Orange by, County now. Like nobody uh, ever fights in Orange by County. A, by a bull rider in Montana when I was playing. Mo- uh, Minor league baseball. Oh, we ha- okay. So that's the whole conversation now. We're not even going to talk about the draft. So, how did you get into a fight with a bull bull rider in Montana? Okay, so this is during you know my when you're my, in minor league baseball. Uh, yeah, and, and I I wasn't I wasn't so buttoned up at that point in my life. I was 19 years old, and I was up in Montana playing. I was playing for Idaho Falls, the Padres in Idaho Falls, Idaho, and we were up in. Uh, um, I think it was Butte. Yeah, it was Butte, Montana. And we go to this this bar, and, I mean, you can imagine what the bars are like in the summer in Butte, Montana, right? Oh, yeah. And it's, it's a couple of me and my teammates, and, and we're sitting there and having a few drinks. And I know we're 19, but, hey, it is what it is. So there's there's these cowboys sitting down the bar from us, and, and they're not very big, right, Clay? They're just they're – just, regular kind of skinny looking guys, tight jeans, boots, big belt buckles, you know, and they start getting mad at like us calling us city slickers. Like, what are you doing <laughs> in our bar? Literally right? calling you city slickers. Yes. Yes, exactly. This is straight out of a movie. So I popped off, you know, I'm, I'm 19, man. I come from Arvada, Colorado. <laughs> the, the conflict in Arvada, Colorado is next to zero, right? You just, there are no fights in my high school. I, when, when there's conflict, there's like a couple of shoves and then people like peacock up and they walk away and it's like, Oh man, I, yeah, man, I would have kicked his butt, man. I would have kicked his ass. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of what I think is going to happen. So he stands up at the end of the bar after I tell him to like, shut up, he stands up and I was like, Oh, okay. I guess, I guess like I'll stand up and we're going <laughs> to shove and then get broken up or whatever. And Clay, this guy reared back 165 pounds soaking wet and drilled me in the face 
And all of a sudden, I'm on the ground, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, my feet are above me!" And he didn't come like come at me and like hit me more. No, 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 no. He stomped my face with his boot. Boom! He like hit, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I might die." Well, my buddies got him off of me enough. My face is all bloody, and so I like pop up, and we kind of just like run out of the bar, and that was the last quote unquote fight i was in so i've always vowed like i'm never ever going to get into a conflict ever again where i'm just thinking that we're going to push so if you want any conflict with me you have to know from history i'm coming in blazing i'm not like a hey you take the first um swing you know i don't hit a man first no no no. if you and i are going to do this i will hit you first as hard as i possibly can and not stop until you're done who do you think twitter would root for in this fight Oh, me for sure. You're one of the most hated men in America. Well, that could be true. It might be true. I, I mean, you're not. Who do you think Alabama fans would root for, me or you? Oh, certainly me. Even with all your anti-SEC bias? I, I have zero anti-SEC <laughs> bias. You know, you know this. I have, uh, I have only truth on my side. I am what they call a truth sayer. Uh, okay, so you are in Philadelphia, and by the way, that story about the, the the cowboy like who just kicked your ass is incredible. By the way, like at nineteen, like, and I by lo- the way, I just want to I want to paint the picture is because he has for sure a cowboy hat on. He's got the shirt tucked in, the big big belt buckle, and he's drinking like Budweiser original, like a straight. It's like Marlboro, not Marlboro Light, right? Like yep. a Budweiser, not a Bud Light, not a Coors Light. He's drinking a Bud with a huge dip in. So he's one of those guys that's like drinking beer while chewing, and then he stands up and freaking annihilates my face at the drop of a hat. Okay, sorry, go ahead. How much, by the way, did your buddies give you crap about that for, like, it had to be for weeks or months ahead that you got your ass kicked by a cowboy? Well, I had to walk into the clubhouse that night, or the, the next day, and, like, my face was a wreck. Like, <laughs> you know, I I have a black eye. I have like scrapes along one side because he stomped out my face with his boot. And he did it in like almost like a nonchalant way. Like he walked over and was kind of like, uh, and he like sized my face up and was like, bam, and stomped on my face. I was like, well, this isn't bad. This isn't good. This guy, how many fights do you think that guy had been in? This reminds me of like my wife is from Michigan and she says that like the the guys she used to go out with in college like were so used to fighting it was like hockey style that some of them would take mouth guards to the bar and i said before i'm like first of all like this is the most intimidating thing i can possibly imagine if you got into a shoving match with a guy at the bar and he put a mouth guard in I would freaking turn around and just walk right out. I'd be like, "My bad, my problem." You know, like I, I'm. If a guy is ready to fight enough that he's bringing his mouth guard to the bar, then I am totally. I'm, I'm just like tapping out of that fight before it ever starts. Like I'm, I'm out. I'm sorry. Sure I apologize. Like I'm, I'm out of here. This guy, I'm sure, had a fight once a week or twice a week for his entire life, and he didn't need a mouth guard because he had such a big dip in that it worked as a mouth guard for him. <laughs> like if I would have hit him in the face, I'm still convinced to this day. If I would have reared back, and I'm a, you know, listen, I'm a, I'm a bigger guy. If I would have reared back and hit him in his mouth, like with the dip, I'm, I'm convinced to this day that he would have just 
liked it because it would have squeezed more juice from the dip into his mouth. <laughs> how long did you replay this fight? Like, for how long, like, in your mind were you like, what did I do here? Like, what could I have done differently? Play 16 years. <laughs> it's been, I, I mean, it rolls through my head almost on a weekly basis. Like, what could I have done different that night in Butte, Montana? Oh, well, tonight you're going to spend the night in Philadelphia. This is uh, actually a true story. Sorry. This, yeah. No, I mean, I, that's what I said. I'm, as soon I'm as I hear you booth. get in a bar fight in Montana, we're not even talking about the draft. All I want to hear about is, is the Butte-Montana bar fight. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm in a booth the other, oh, gosh, not this year, but the year before. Where was it? No, it was this year. I think it was Texas Tech. Okay, so I'm in, I'm in the booth during a game, and I'm calling the game on Fox, you know, we're live on the air and there was kind of a, like a scuffle in the stands, um, down off of my left. And I'm replaying like during the broadcast in my head, I was replaying like, man, that looked a lot like my fight in Montana. I I wonder if I could have done any better that fight in Montana. So to answer your question, like it's not only still, I not only still think about it, it has rolled through my head during broadcast. (laughs) By the way, how excited are you to call Michigan Ohio State this year? Words can't even put it into you know perspective how excited I am. That it it is it is more than a bucket list game. It is an iconic game, and you know I oh, man, it's it's going to be amazing. And I'm so fortunate to be in this position to be able to call it for Fox. I'm just, I'm proud of Fox for, for pulling this deal off and getting the big 10. Our schedule next year is going to be second to none. And then I can say that with a totally straight face, we're going to have an incredible schedule. We'll be doing the rematch between USC and Texas. We'll have Michigan state, Notre Dame. We'll have Penn state, Ohio state, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio state, um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. It, it's going to be a week-in and week-out embarrassment of riches, and I, I can't wait to be a part of college football on that grand sca- uh, stage uh, to call some of the biggest games, not only of the year, but ones that you know get remembered throughout history. We're talking to Joel Klatt. Follow him on Twitter at Joel Klatt, especially if you're from Butte, Montana, and you once kicked his ass in a bar fight 15 years ago. That would be amazing, by the way. If, if the guy that just called guy in. is listening, <laughs> that will have made my entire life. I'm eight seven seven. His name is Billy Ray. Billy Ray, if you are listening, please call in. I would love to get in touch with you via Twitter. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. Okay, the draft tonight in Philadelphia. What to you is the biggest story of the first round as you get ready to call this with Jay Glazer tonight on Fox Sports Radio? Okay, so there's a couple of different storylines that I think are are really important to watch the first is that there are really only five guys you can call it six but miles garrett is such a consensus number one that cleveland's got to take him they're likely going to take him at number one so outside of miles garrett there are five guys that every team is talking about so every team and i've talked with shoot clay 15 16 teams with with pretty good sources at every one and every single one mentions the same five guys they mention Solomon Thomas from Stanford. They mentioned Christian McCaffrey from Stanford. They mentioned Leonard Fournette. They mentioned Jamal Adams from LSU and Hassan Reddick from Temple. And so to, to me, like that's the story of the draft is that you've got these guys, in particular Hassan Reddick and Christian McCaffrey, 
that maybe weren't thought of as top eight or ten picks, and they're certainly going to go in that time frame. I firmly believe that Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey will both be selected before the eighth pick in the draft, which is higher than most people uh, would have expected any running back going, much less two of them uh, at that at that point. And then the other thing that I think is very interesting is the guys that are falling. I think Dalvin Cook and his red flags uh, are people are staying away from that, from what I've being being told. Uh, Gary on Conley, that situation is still not very good, regardless of what's trying to get cleared up or not. Teams just can't take that chance unless it's 100% cleared up before tonight. Uh, and then Jonathan Allen from Alabama, while he is a great player and probably a top three prospect in the draft, his shoulders are so bad, including one of them that doesn't even have any cartilage in it, that it's, it's going to be very difficult for someone to take him in the top five. So I expect him while he should get selected in the top five, to maybe slip down to 10 or even 12. Uh, and that's the storylines that I'm kind of looking for in tonight's first round. Do you believe in Mitch Trubisky? We're going to have him on the show right after you. We had him on hour one. I'm going to replay some of our interview. How? What is his ceiling? What is his floor? Like I always like to think about quarterback prospects in particular as ceilings and floors. Best case scenario, yeah. he is who. Worst case scenario, he is who in your mind. Oh, man, I think best-case scenario, you're getting a guy kind of like Alex Smith. Um, Worst-case scenario, you know, you're getting any one of these quarterbacks, any number of these quarterbacks that have flamed out from, from the top five. I just don't think his ceiling is all that high, and I think his floor is really low because every quarterback's floor is low because a failure at that point in the draft at that position is catastrophic for an organization. Um he, you know, he's a good player. There are things that I really like about him, like his ability to stay away from turnovers, his completion percentage, uh, which obviously has more to do with, with offensive schematics than it does, you know, anything that a quarterback is doing. Um, however, there are things that really concern me. Um, one is he couldn't beat out Mar- Marquise Williams. Uh, that's troubling, you know, for in particular an organization want to hand the keys to a guy. Um, only one year, and so he's got that Brock Osweiler effect of having a real lack of experience in college, and then all of a sudden, you know, you want to hand him the keys, and I think that that can be uh, problematic. Uh, so Trubisky, while I think he probably is going to be the number one quarterback taken, um, I, I think that his ceiling is much lower than a guy like Deshaun Watson or certainly Deshaun Kaiser. Outstanding stuff, as always, Joel. People listen tonight. If you're listening to this show now, he'll be on Fox Sports Radio. And then, obviously, all fall long, Fox's lead college football analyst who once got his ass kicked in Butte, Montana. That's right. And just I just don't want that – that story should not embolden you to think that you can somehow <laughs> rise up. You know what I've said for a long time? Shape, dot, 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 for a middle-aged guy on the radio that has his own white uh, website. Yeah, like, I'm the most athletic 38-year-old man with three kids with his own website and a radio show in the country. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah. And But I will that's not it. fight a man. I, 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 I need to get you back on and bench. tell you my fighting story. I, I haven't straight bar benched in, in a decade, and I have no problems in, in my own head saying that I could sit on a bench and bench more than you easily. But be honest. The fact that I could rep 225 three times, it kind of impressed you. I mean, sure. For a writer, that's really good. I mean, with 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 your man boobs, you better be able to do it three <laughs> times, or else that's just 
bad body. <laughs> bad body indeed. Joel, I'll talk to you again soon, hopefully. Appreciate the time. That is Joel Klatt taking a shot at my man boobs early in the morning here on Fox Sports Radio. Let's find out what's trending now. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Joined now by a guy who's going to have a special day indeed. The first round of the NFL draft will be occurring this evening, and we are fortunate to be joined by former North Carolina quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. If I had told you this time last year, when you were sitting around, I bet, watching the NFL draft somewhere in your couch, somewhere in a, in a place in uh, Chapel Hill, that you would be a first-round draft pick by this time the next year. Would you have believed me? No, honestly, I probably wouldn't have. Um, it's been a crazy process, and uh, this is what I dreamed of, and this is really what I worked of. But um, last year at this time, I, I, I didn't think any of this was possible. But but my hard work and dedication has really showed me that uh, any, anything is possible. So you just continue to believe in your dreams, and, and uh, it can all change around in one year. So um, whatever your goals are, just shoot for them and, and go even higher. So uh, that's what got me to this point, and, and I'm, I'm very excited for this opportunity. Has your agent said, look, you're definitely going to be gone by 10, you're definitely going to be gone by 5? Do you have any sense for who is going to draft you right now? I got no idea. I'm hoping. I'm hoping in the top ten. That's what I've been hearing throughout this whole process. Could be higher. Could be lower. I mean, that's all out of my control at this point. Uh, I'm just looking to get with the right team and organization that believes in me and will allow me to develop and progress as a quarterback. But it's been an exciting process, and uh, I know I got a lot of work to do once I get uh, picked. But um, it's it's going to be a dream come true. I'm so excited. Do you uh, have any consideration at all? Do you care if you are the fourth, first quarterback taken? Deshaun Watson said he wants to be the first quarterback taken. Do you want to be the first quarterback taken as well? Uh, it, it doesn't really matter to me because uh, that's outside my control. Uh, it doesn't matter where you get picked. It matters what you do when you get picked. and uh, That's been my mindset. So no matter where I go, it's going to be a dream come true. And the real work begins when you get with your NFL team. So I just want to get in, learn the playbook as quick as possible, and, and show that I belong in this league. So that's what I'm trying to do. Wherever I get picked, whether it's the first quarterback or the, the third or, or so on, it, it, that's outside of my control. So I'm not too worried about it. What's the weirdest question you got asked as part of the interview? You don't have to tell me which team asked it, but is there anything you got asked as part of an interview process or a team visit that kind of blew your mind that threw you for a loop? It was just kind of an odd question. They asked me how good, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, am I at doing the nay-nay? <laughs> and, uh, what was your answer? Yeah, it's like a, it's a, I, I was honest. I, I put a 2, so uh, 2 out of 10, so that's horrible. So you will not catch me doing the nay-nay anybody, anywhere. Um <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it was just a, it was just a fun question. I guess they wanted to see if we had any rhythm or if we even knew how to do the name name. But yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> I believe you had thirty touchdowns, four interceptions. You sat for a couple of years. You've only started thirteen games. At what point did you start to think, "Hey, maybe I'm going to go pro at the end of this year"? Was there a game you had on the field for North Carolina this past fall where people started to talk you up and you started to realize, hey, maybe I could go pro at the end of this year. When did you start to think it was possible? Well, before the season, I actually had the goal to to be in, to put myself in a position where I could decide to come back to school or, or to leave. So I wanted to put up, I know it would only be one year, and I mean, it is one year, but I wanted to put up numbers and show everyone around the country and the NFL coaches and scouts that uh, I, I can project well to play at the next level. And I think just in a year's work, that's what I did. Probably after the uh, 
sixth or seventh game, started putting early mock drafts up, and people were projecting me high if I came out. And uh, it, it, it was in the plan, and, and that's how it worked out. So I decided it was the best time for me to come out, take advantage of this opportunity, and uh, continue to progress as a quarterback. So, uh, yeah, about the middle of the season. We're talking to Mitchell Trubisky later today. He's going to become a multimillionaire when he gets drafted and as a part of the NFL's first round. Mitchell, have you considered at all what it's going to be like to suddenly be rich? I don't know how much money you have now, but I bet you're about to have a lot more than you've ever seen before. What's that feeling going to be like when they call your name and you suddenly realize, holy crap, I'm a multimillionaire? For me, it's not really about, uh, wow, I just get drafted, I'm a multimillionaire. It's more like wow, I just got drafted. Um, I, re- I reached my childhood dream of, of getting into the NFL. So it's all about my love for the game and an opportunity to, to continue to do what I love. I've never had money. I come from a very uh, conservative family, and I'm not flashy or anything, so it's going to be weird to, to have money. I really haven't wrapped my head around it, but my, my job is to play football. It's, it's not to worry about money or how much of it I have. It's, it's about to to get on the field and and produce wins. Uh, As long as I'm comfortable and and the people I love are comfortable, uh, I'll I'll be happy. I'm curious here, uh, Mitch. And and by the way, when did you decide to go by Mitchell instead of Mitch? How did that happen? (laughs) You could actually call me either. It uh, it started at the Combine, the whole uh, fiasco whirlwind of people thinking I changed my name. Uh, My mother calls me Mitchell, and uh, people close to me call me Mitchell, but I go by either one. So, uh, yeah, I was just saying what my mom prefers because she wanted me to say that for her. But, uh, yeah, I've been called Mitch or Mitchell my whole life. It really doesn't matter. Mitchell, you weren't like a massive recruit, I don't think. You got out of the Big Ten country. The Big Ten hasn't had a quarterback drafted the entire Big Ten in the first round since Kerry Collins in 1995. You end up at UNC. How did that happen? How did they let you out of Big Ten territory? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I wasn't the highest uh, quarterback recruit coming out, but I was just going through the process looking for the right fit for me. Yeah, just going through the process. A lot of the other quarterbacks were committing to the Big Ten schools uh, that were closer to my home. But I went down to North Carolina, and I just fell in love with the campus. I really liked the coaches down there, and I, and I just knew it was the spot for me. So I'm very proud to be a Tar Heel. Where did you watch the national title game for basketball? Are you all in on North Carolina basketball, too? And if so, where were you for the game? I was actually in Chapel Hill for the national championship game. And uh, it, it was an awesome experience uh, to be down there with my roommates and my teammates and to celebrate the big uh, Tar Heel win. How awesome of a night was that in Chapel Hill? I saw some of the pictures of everybody out celebrating. Is that one of the best nights of your life? Yeah, it was it was insane. Uh, I'm not I'm not a big crowd person, but uh we rushed Franklin Street and I got out of there got out of there pretty quickly, but there was tons of people storming the streets and it, it was awesome. Talking to Mitchell Trubisky, he's going to be drafted tonight, potentially the first overall quarterback taken uh, at the NFL draft. But what do you do when you're not playing football? We know you're a talented guy on the football field. Do you have favorite television shows? What do you do to get away from football? How do you relax? Oh, yeah. I like to watch Netflix and and anything on uh, Apple TV, really. But uh, my favorite show right now is Entourage. and I'm going back to that TV series. I like to do that. I like to hang out with my friends and family. I like to go to the movies. I love going out to eat. I like to play golf, I like to swim, go to the beach, and uh, really just spend as much time with my friends and family as possible and just, just hanging out. What season of Entourage are you on right now? I'm, I'm on the last season. <laughs> so you're catching up. You're, I mean, you're a young guy, so you maybe were so young when that series started. I think back in like 2004 or whatever it was, you would have just been – it's crazy to think, right? But, I mean, you would have just been what, like 10 years old when that show started? So uh, when, when you go uh, back yeah. – 
something like that. When you go back, do you do you want to have a Vinny Chase like lifestyle? Will you bring some of your buddies wherever you end up to help you kind of handle the business of suddenly becoming a celebrity quarterback, a star a star athlete <laughs> in this country? <laughs> No, I don't think I'm like Vinny Chase at all. I know how to handle my business, but I definitely want to uh, allow my family and friends to enjoy the ride with me as well. So they're going to be here supporting me. i got the best support system, but uh, I'm, I won't have any of my friends uh, helping me handle my business because uh, I know how to do that. Oh, we're talking to Mitchell Trubisky. Who do, you, who do you look at in the NFL right now and say, in an ideal world, I would like to be like them one day. Who do you aspire? Who do you see that seems to represent parts of your game as well? Who do you seek to emulate in the NFL? I think I would have to say Aaron Rodgers. I, I model my game after his, just having a quick release, able to what he can do with his feet and escape sticky situations. And he's always in total control on the field. And another guy would be Tom Brady, just having that competitiveness, always be – the game manager, um, able to make all the throws, put it exactly where it needs to be, and, and winning Super Bowls. So those those two guys are definitely getting it done, and they've been the face of the NFL for a few years now. And, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all about winning and, and, and running the show. How nervous will you be when the official NFL draft begins tonight? Will you be a guy who's, like, got a lot of butterflies in your stomach, or do you get eerily calm when big moments happen and you just kind of chill? I'm, I, what is it? What will it feel like, do you think, for you when the draft actually begins? Yeah. I'm not really sure exactly. If I had to guess, I, I would say I'm going to be uh, pretty calm because I, I know it's going to work out for the best. So wherever I go, uh, it's going to work out. I'm just going to try to continue to keep that mindset and uh, – Wherever I land, it's going to be a dream come true. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to just relax and really enjoy the moment. Are you a bear hug guy? Do you plan on giving the commissioner a huge bear hug, or are you more of like a a light back tap kind of guy? Yeah, I'm probably just going to shake his hand. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, tell me what you've got to do here. You're with uh, Hyundai's uh, multifaceted draft program, Rolling with the Rookies. What are you doing with them? Oh, that was an awesome process I I had with Hyundai. They – came to my hometown and, and allowed me to share some of my story, just growing up in Mentor and, and going to UNC and and being in this position now um, as a potential rookie. And uh, working with Hyundai has been awesome. They, they've been so good to me. And I'm excited to see working with Marcus about the, the custom car wrap they got out here. I'm excited to see the revealing tomorrow. Yeah, they've, they've, done, they've done an awesome job, and I just really appreciate how they've allowed me to tell my story out there to so many fans. How do you plan on celebrating? You're going to be drafted later tonight. You will become a uh, a big-time football star. You'll get to go to a new city. It's a pretty overwhelming experience. What will you do at the end of the first round of the draft? Uh, hopefully just I'm, I'm out to eat somewhere with my family, uh, enjoying, enjoying their company. And I have a bunch of friends coming in town. So uh, we're just going to celebrate, have a good time. And then uh, the next day, I'll get back to work. I'll be flying to my new city and just embracing that. But I'm just going to enjoy the moment, and we're going to we're going to celebrate. All right, my man. Enjoy the final season of Entourage, and congratulations on a big time night coming up for you. We appreciate you joining us here on Outkick the Coverage. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. That is Mitchell Trubisky. He's probably going to be the first overall quarterback taken at the end of the NFL draft experience here tonight. Pretty wild. Philadelphia, big-time celebration coming for he and his family. I am Clay Travis. Always a big-time celebration here on OutKick. More coming up next on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. 
I am Clay Travis, and this has become one of the most popular segments that we do on the show. It's time, boys and girls, for Tebow Watch starring Jason Martin. Jason Martin, take it away. Tim Tebow Clay, already amidst his best stretch in the minors, 5 of 10 at the dish against the Lexington Legends over the weekend, including his first non-home run extra base hit of the season, a double. He was just one for six against the Asheville Tourists in their first two games going into yesterday's series finale. In the DH spot, hitting in sixth, Tebow, three for four at the plate, including his first triple of the season. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Goes from 213 to 246 in one day. One for six, ends up being four for ten for the series, hits a double and a triple amongst those four base knocks. Now, I told you yesterday, my research told me Tim likes day games far more than night. He was hitting 70 points better in the sunshine than the moonlight. That discrepancy is now 158 points better. The first pitch yesterday, 11.07 a.m. in Columbia, so it was bright. And it was in Columbia. Tebow increased his plus 120 average at home to 148. And finally, Brandon Gold, the starting pitcher for the Asheville Tourists, was another right-hander. Tebow loves the righties, now hitting 77 points higher against those who throw with the hand that he doesn't. So Tim Tebow, 246 average, 3 for 4 at the plate, leads the Fireflies to a 5-0 shutout win. They had split the first two against Asheville, so they win the series 2-1 2-1 to one over the Asheville Tourists. What a day for Tim Tebow. Uh, yeah, that was a spectacular performance there by Jason Martin on Tebow Watch. I'm so Martin excited. I'm so like, excited. This is pretty good, right? I mean, I think a lot of the Tebow haters, I know it's single A, but he's a pro baseball player, and he's not humiliating himself at all, right? I mean, there are a lot of single A baseball players probably. I mean, it's still April, who in their first, what, 15 games – have looked infinitely worse than Tim Tebow has, right? If this guy were 20 years old, they'd probably be pretty happy about him at the Mets, don't you think? Like, as big and strong and physical and athletic as he is? Triple, a couple of doubles? I mean, I'm starting to wonder, again, we'll see. But up to 246, if he can get up into the upper twos, I think a lot of people start to ask the question, could he get promoted? I mean, he's 29, so if they're going to promote him, they're not going to leave him in single A forever. I'm Clay Travis, NFL Draft tonight. Thank you for hanging with us. If you're in Butte, Montana, thanks for kicking Joel Klatt's ass. I'm Clay Travis, again, on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card limitations apply. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.